Welcome to the After Show, where we explore the message behind the message. Hey, I'm Jeremiah, and I have the honor to be with our lead pastor, Pastor Marty. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you today. That's good. All right, I want to ask you a question. All right. Are you finally over this Chicago weather? I know you you came from just the hot weather, and you love the snow. Do you still love it, or are you just tired of it? I love snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. I love snow. I love cold. Uh, you know, single digits is cold, but yeah. I, you know, um, I, I, I love, I love being in Chicago land. Okay. I love <laughs> Chicago, but I cannot stand Chicago weather. I feel like two years from now, you're going to be like, you know what? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, I'm tired of it, but Hey, I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of it, you know, cause we've been in hot weather for the last like four or five days. All of a sudden it's just boom, snow. And I'm tired of it. But <laughs> the the most amazing part of my weekend, not only we had great weather, but it was Sunday, it was Saturday. We had these amazing services. Um, and this message this weekend was very convicting for me. I know for a lot more people that had the opportunity to listen and be in the house with us, whether you're online or in person, um, this was very crucial for my walk with Christ because I think sometimes we can get comfortable Uh, But when we deal with things like being holy and godly, that just puts us all in perspective of what what we should be living like on a daily basis. Um, So after you read Romans 12, 1 through 2, you said this. You said, in this world, what we believe gets more and more difficult. But then you encouraged us and you said, when we don't know what to believe, we must turn our focus toward what kind of person we should be. Right. Um, And this was very crucial for me. Um, even, even as someone working in ministry, um, because like I said, we can get comfortable, but our belief system is closely knit to who we are. And if we don't know who we are, we won't know what to believe. Um, and it was very crucial when you said that because understanding, uh, what we should be determines what we believe. Um, and you told us as we're really learning what we should be, we should live ready for the return of Christ. Yep. Um, and it, I think it's, it's a mix of being sold on this moment that God is with us in this moment, but also having eternity on the mind. Um, but for a person struggling with uh, being holy and godly, how do they start to live that? How do they start to live ready for his return and being holy and godly in their lives? Well, I think you begin with defining what holy and godly means. And that was kind of the goal this weekend was to make holy and godly um, applicable to our life. I think when you hear those words by nature, you tend to think about you know perfection. You tend to think about the, the divine, the supernatural. And my goal was to bring those words down to what they mean in the day-to-day life and on the streets of our world today. And so the idea of godliness and holiness are really uh, terms that we can come to embrace as Christ followers through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can do this. So we, we kind of broke that down into what does holy mean and what does godly mean. And we focus on just some biblical characteristics of those two words. Um, you know, one of the things about being holy is to love people uh, with genuine love, not not hypocritical love, meaning um, I don't profess I love and then not practice I love. And the whole, yeah. the whole point there is, is that in the body of Christ and in the world today, loving people is not easy. 
Um, and in fact, if you've never had to love someone who's unlovable, then you're not loving anyone because all of us at some level are unlovable. We all yep. have our difficulty. And so we start learning how that Christian love is empowered by the Spirit of God and that in the body of Christ, that love doesn't mean we always agree or get along. It means that we're committed to His love through us being greater than my difficulty with you, okay? And so you start breaking down humanity, and I mean, let's be honest, um, people are tough to deal with. I mean, I'm tough to deal with. Uh, You're tough to deal with. All of us are. And so you start learning the power of love, and being loving is really being holy. That's part of an attribute of God, and God is love. It's His nature. And so I think the goal was to kind of pull off of these two big words, holy and godly, and really begin to make it applicable to where the person hearing the message or watching them today can go, oh, I, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, and then the word godly, we discuss some of the attributes of God. God is faithful. God is just. And so the bigger picture there is, is that I, if I'm going to be godly, that means I'm going to reflect God in everything I'm doing. So I, I, I think it's unique that our world today has, has these labels that we use for people and we, we would take like a tag of, you know, Christians for this or Christians for that or a Christian who supports this, X, Y, or Z. And what's unique to me is that we can see the term Christian, and then the next part of that can look very different person to person. And my premise this weekend was if it's truly Christian, it shouldn't differ at all because the Christian label comes from one person, which is Christ, and he doesn't differ person to person. So you really can't have a Christian sub or a, a Christian label and then a subcategory that's anti-Christian because that would negate the previous. That's like being uh, skinny fat. Okay, I mean, you, you either one or the other. You that's can't. That's me in quarantine. Yeah, huh? <laughs> me in quarantine. So. You know, we, we, we started looking at this, and the idea behind being godly is really reflecting on the fact that I'm representing the character of God in the world today. I literally, when I walk into a room, did I just bring into that room what God would be bringing if he was coming in with me? Because I'm his reflection. That's godliness. And that begins to really pare down uh, some of the world uh, views today that would say, well, I can be a Christian and be okay with this, or I can be a Christian and, well, that's not my problem. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we're starting to see is, is that if we're going to be godly, then things have to connect to us that God would connect with if he was here. For example, um, it, is, it, is, it is high time that, that the church see that if God was here, he would be concerned for those who are hurting, those who are poor, those who are broken, those who are sick and lame. And the church has got to lean deeper into that conversation because that's what God would be thinking of. That's what Christ came to talk to, 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 to relieve us of is that, that imprisonment in this life. And so a lot of the world issues today that we're going to call uh, political issues are really biblical issues. And it's time that the church step up and say, if God was here, he would be leaning into this conversation. So that was kind of the premise is to simplify it. Wow. And I, I think some of that, what you were saying, is understanding that the Word of God is our ultimate authority. Because if we don't believe that the Word of God is our ultimate authority, like you say, when God speaks, we have no further opinion. 
it doesn't matter because he is I think most times in this discussion, I see it this way, and I talk to Calvary Youth about this. We want him to be our Savior, but we don't want him to be our Lord. And when he's our Lord, he commands, like, how we live, um, and it's no further opinion. And having that, you, you talked about being set apart, um, and I think this is very crucial for us as Christians to live set apart. And sometimes when we hear the word holy, that can be very— intimidating because we're like, well, I'm, I'm a sinful person. I feel like I can never be holy. But that word is pretty much saying being set apart for the master's use goes to First uh, Peter 2, 9, when it talks about being a chosen pe- people, a royal piece of the holy nation set apart for God's use. Um, and I wanted to ask you, why is this, this idea of being set apart so difficult for our society and also for the church? Because like, I really want to see your view on that, because I think even in the church, it's hard for us to say, like, oh, I'm living completely sold out for God because we can be so swayed by the culture. So why do you think that is? Well, I think you just answered it. Yeah. I think I think it's because we're, <laughs> we're swayed by the culture. I was thinking about this today, and I don't, I'm not I'm not into pop uh, culture music. You know, right, what, right. What, I, what I listen to is from the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, What's um, your favorite music? Uh, I'm I'm a hair band kind of guy. Really? You know? Yeah, I'm a gym kind of rat. You put so. some voice to me in on your Instagram. Well, I, I like, can do that on. too. No, I I, I I can do I can do some Motown Philly. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't even know about this, but but you know, I just we had the Grammys this past weekend, and there was a lot of buzz about a specific song that was, I guess, a big song last year or, or whatever, and it's apparently very vulgar. Um, and, and explicit by nature. Even the secular media was talking about how the Grammy show was over the top, which is interesting to me when you get the you know, New York Times commenting on how something over the top, you're thinking, did they just say that's over the top? Because they're pretty accepting of most things. So here's the world today is putting this current out there, and a lot of believers and Christians are trying to find a way to embrace that world, that culture, and be behind and support that dialogue and that rhetoric, and then also come to church on the weekend. And, you know, we, um, there's, there's jokes about, you know, you know, God on the weekend and then, you know, the party on Friday night. And we've missed the whole idea that being a Christian is to be called out and to be called away from. Now, that does not promote... Um, isolationism or uh, indifference to those who are broken by the world. In fact, we're supposed to be salt and light, which means we're in the world. Uh, But we can't be of the world. We can't look the same. And so what appeals to me as a Christ follower cannot be the same song list as the guy who doesn't follow Christ. It's got to be different. And if it's the same, then what's the difference? And so I think that the cha- the challenge, uh, Pastor Jeremiah, is what you just said, and that is we want to be part of the culture. We want to blend in. We want to connect with our friends. We want to do the things that appeal to our own desires and our own flesh and our own lusts and so much more. But it just doesn't work that way. I, I, I can't have that. I, I have to make a decision. You know, Joshua said this to Israelites. He said, listen, if you want to serve the other gods on that side of the river, then go for it. Just go. Just get, on, just get on over there, you know. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, we've, we've often quoted that text in church and in Christian homes for decades and, and centuries and generations. And, 
we miss the whole point behind it, which is a clarifying line. You know, uh, in my home, we're, we, are, we are Buckeye fans. That's what we do in our house. And when you were raised in my house, if, if, if you're going to eat at my kitchen table, you're going to cheer for the Buckeyes, right? So I've, I have officially raised two very dogmatic Buckeye fans. If, if my kid came home with a Michigan shirt on, you're going back out the door and you're going to change that shirt. It's just that simple. Now, that is very, very, uh, you know, casual and comical uh, uh, perspective and, and comparison. But if that would be that clear, how much more should the things of God between wickedness and godliness be clear? And so the idea of being godly and the idea of being holy is really about drawing some lines, which means I'm not going to participate. One of the attributes of being godly is being truthful. So Christians are called to be people who believe the truth, listen to the truth, only repeat the truth, and only accept the truth. Well, how many Christians today love conspiracy theories, love bad information, love to share stuff they saw on Facebook just because someone else shared it that may be nowhere near to being true? And we just, well, it's just the world. No, it's not the world. We're supposed to be different. So, and, and I, I've shared stuff that I found it wasn't true. I took it down because I learned later on I was off premise. Now, I got, I got to delete that because I was off. And so, as Christ followers, if we're going to be godly, then truthfulness goes with that. So, the tension for us is I, I want to be, be right with God because I know I need to do that. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But, man, this life is so good. It's kind of like the old... The old meme out that says, man, I want abs, but have you ever had tacos? It's like, you know, I mean, I, mean, I, I want to have the perfect physique, but have you, ever had a, have you ever had Mexican food? Come on, I'm just, I want to go eat some tacos right now. So that's the tension right there. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough um, time to be living in. Um, but if we are to reflect the character of God, like you said, we have to be set apart. And being godly means that, okay, this is the world, I'm going to be in it, but not of it. Um, and I think even in ministry, I've, I've seen this sometimes where they want to reach the world so much that they start looking like the world. Yep. And it's a scary place to be where you miss that line like you talked about, where it's like, oh, I can just straddle this line and just do, do every, just don't say that, just don't say that, right? To reach them and you start looking like them and you start sounding like them. Um, and it's tough. It's tough. But we ought to be the reflection of God. It goes back to Genesis 1 when he says we, we are to be the reflection of him, Genesis 3, I believe. Um, when we're reflecting, when he says he made man in his image, we are to be a reflection of him. And this, this was the most powerful. Everything that you said was really powerful. But this really hit me. You ever been, like, hit in the chest? I remember, well, I can't go there. I was talking about my parents, but anyway. Um, but, but like, when, when something really tries to, like, when someone's disciplining you, that's what I felt like when you said this. Um, you said, we hold the reputation of Jesus in our hands. Yeah. If someone only saw God through you, would they know the true God? Yeah. And I was sitting in there, I was like, well, yikes. Yeah. Because I think we can get so lax sometimes. We we miss the reality of we are the representation of Christ. Once we say we're a Christian, people are looking at us. Okay, are you a Christian? Okay, if they do that, then I'm okay doing that because they say they're a Christian. Um, And I look back on my life and said, like, how many chances did I miss 
to be a representation of Jesus because I was so caught up in flesh. And for someone struggling with being a good representation, let's say someone has, whether they're in high school, college, whether they're adult at work, and they haven't been a good representation, how do they turn that around, in your opinion? Well, you can only start where you are. I mean, um, you know, don't wait for a new year. Just wait for a new morning. Um, just start tomorrow. I mean, and it, and it never hurts to go back and to reconcile and repent to people who you've misrepresented uh, to. Uh, it never hurts to go to some friends or family and say, hey, I realize it, that I've not been acting the way I believe, and, and I want you to forgive me of that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean to a different future. I think that's reality. I think the truth is that this is where God's grace and mercy comes in. And that is, none of us here are perfect in this. You know, I, I, I journey every day uh, to be more like Christ. I have every struggle that anybody else would have in this life. Um, there's times that I'm on point, and there's times I'm off base. I mean, there's just reality. So I think you just start where you are. Uh, you don't look in the rearview mirror and go, man, I've messed that up. Because the truth is, God's grace is sufficient no matter how deep our sins have been, yeah. our brokenness has been. And so I think you start where you are, but I think you begin to put together a plan that says, I'm going to be different. And it's it's like anything. So the Apostle Paul, he used a couple analogies uh, in his Christian uh, description. He was describing the Christian life. He discussed a farmer, a farmer, a warrior, and an athlete, okay? And all three of these have disciplines involved. They all have preparation involved. They all have priorities involved. And they're all very different um, presentations of how a person conducts their life. And so you think about this, and at the end of the day, all three of those have to have a plan and a picture of what they're trying to create. And so in this concept, you know, the image of Christ is the picture for the Christian. Um, The Bible talks about until we're conformed into the image of the Son of God. So I've got to come to the place in which my life begins to look more like Christ. And when you start breaking this down... I think many of us, we, we approach the Christian life from our vantage point, and we fail to really make the Christian life our vantage point. We, we start with our demographic, our, our, our heritage, um, you know, Americanism or a different country. Uh, we start with our political ideology. We start with our male-female, our, our ethnicity. We, we start with a lot of things, and then we work toward Christ. The truth is the Christ part has to precede everything else. Otherwise, um, I'm not an American Christian. I'm a Christian mm-hmm. who is an American yeah. by birth. Right. Okay, and if, and if I flip those two, then my Americanism precedes my Christian. And then I have a gospel that only applies to Americans. Well, that's not the gospel because Jesus died mm-hmm. for the whole world. Yep. Uh, and just so you all know, when Christ was on the earth, America didn't <laughs> exist. So... I mean, I mean, there's there's a lot to that in that I've got to get things in proper order. Um, you know, there's no there's no gospel that's for white people or for black people or for Latinos or for Asians. It's the gospel, and it doesn't start with an ethnicity or a gender or a demographic or an economic base. There's no poor gospel, rich gospel. There's just the gospel. And so you start breaking this down and begin to realize that our world today is always trying to push us back to our human alliances, and we've got to get to our kingdom allegiance. We have to elevate this. It's not about my human alliance. It's about my kingdom allegiance. And Paul hit this. He said, you are citizens 
of a different country. And he wasn't talking about an earthly kingdom. He was talking about heaven. We were citizens. We were, we were foreigners, strangers. He's calling us strangers because this isn't our heaven. This is earth. It's until we get to heaven, we're strangers. So, I mean, I'm living in America. I'm born in America, but I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner. You know why? Because my citizenship's in heaven. And I have to live differently because of that. So it's, it's a challenge because for many of us, we, we, want to, we want to work toward Christianity when we should be working from Christianity. Uh, and I start with Christ, and everything else falls after that. Wow. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. And we, we have to, with, with what you said, we have to be conscious of eternal things. Yep and heavenly things, and all these things talking about godly, being holy, we all have to have the mindset of kingdom, not our culture or our opinion. Um, I think we have to shift our focus from earthly concerns and earthly mindsets to heavenly and eternal mindsets, and it goes back to our our series a couple months ago, The End in Mind, Mm -hmm. and having all of that in mind, we all have to stand before God. We're all going to have to stand before God, and it's not going to be, oh, I just tried to reach the lost. That's why I was acting. No, 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 no. It's, it's our account for our life. Um, how do Christians focus more on eternal things? This is our last question. How do Christians focus more on eternal things and, return, and the return of Christ rather than just being fixed on our culture and our earthly concerns? Wow, that's, um, that's a whole discussion. Um, I was thinking today, I was actually processing this. I was listening to a podcast and they were they were Daniel chapter three and the, the the Hebrew children the Hebrew guys were thrown into the fire furnace and they they said to Nebuchadnezzar that they said, No, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have a need to answer you in this matter. Our our God will deliver us, but if not. Now think about that phrasing there. So they're about to go into the fiery furnace, which for most of us would deter us right away. I mean, most people today even in Christian faith, we look at the furnace and go, I'm not going in there. What do you, what do you want me to say? I'm in. Because we have learned the art of self-survival. And so, but I think when you look at the story of these young men in Nebuchadnezzar's furnace, they were positioned in such a way that they believed their God so much that if he wasn't the true God, then they would just prefer to die anyway. Wow. Because their belief was so dependent upon him that if he didn't come through, they'd rather not live a day longer believing in a God that didn't exist because they believed so so dependently upon this one true God. They believed this to the core of their being, and they would prefer to die than to live out a lie because they believed in it so much that that they were prepared to give their life. Now, we know the story is they went in the fire furnace, they, they cranked up the heat, and they didn't die because God protected them. So... They, but they took the position of, I'd rather not even live if this God is not real. Because I believe he's real so much, if he's not real, I don't want to be. Now think about the flip of that, where today's world today, we love being more than anything. It's all about I. It's all about the self. It's all about me having a self-evolution and being the real me and being true to me and being who I am on the inside and finding finding my truth and finding my my factor in the earth and finding my uh, you know thumbprint on the culture right 
I think the answer to that question, uh, Jeremiah, is to take the position that if I don't believe God to the degree that I'd rather not live if he doesn't exist, then I'm way too temporal. Because to really believe in God is to believe that he's eternal, and that means we're eternal. And if he's not real, then why do I want to live one more day? And I think that's where the rubber meets the road in our thought processes is how much do we believe in the eternal God? And so you have to live with the awareness of it's just a decision. He either is or he is not. And if he's not, then what's anything matter? But if he is, then everything matters. You know, God cannot be in the middle area. He is either of the utmost importance or he's not important at all. There's no middle area for this. He's either the eternal true God or he is not. And if he is the eternal true God, that should change everything drastically. Not just temporarily or for a few days or for a few weekends or for a few moments. It should change how you spend your time, your money, who you talk to, where you go, who your friends are. It should transform everything. And if there is no God, then nothing else matters. Let's all fold up everything, go home, forget salvation, forget eternity, forget death, forget heaven, forget hell, and let's all go live a life that doesn't matter anyway. I believe he is. Yes. The tension for us is, even for those who believe he is, we tend to, at different times, forget that he is. And that's where we have to get ourselves back in proper alignment I think it comes down to having a true vision of seeing the eternal God hmm. and letting that change how you live your life. Yeah, that should be our focus. As we live 100%. holy and godly lives, we have to keep eternity on our mind. Yep. Um, so, hey, that's all the time that we have today. We thank you so much for joining us on the After Show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can listen, you can watch. And also, if you want to watch this sermon that Pastor Marty um, preached this last weekend, go on our YouTube, watch that, um, and find freedom like I did because it was amazing. Uh, all right, thank you so much for joining us. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.